Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a, re- uh, a review, a rating, all that would be much, much appreciated. Um, so joining the show today is going to be a friend of the show, Heart of Lad. Heart of, what's going on, bud? <laughs> Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. I think <laughs> Leafs Nation had got themselves into a little bit of a tizzy when Darren Dreger dropped some news late Friday night that uh, Petrangelo is going to be testing the open market. So we'll probably just have a full court press here, a conversation about what that actually could mean for Toronto. And and you wrote about this today on Pension Plan Puppets. Um, so we'll we'll dig into that a little bit. But first and foremost... You know, Alex Petrangelo, I think before we get into what it could mean for the Leafs, I think it's a pretty good understanding that that we need to kind of lay out exactly what's been reported so far. So for me, what I saw was that uh, it seems like on Friday they broke off contract talks, and then today there was another report that came up and said that it seems like this is more of a signing bonus issue from St. Louis's end as the holdup more than it is for salary or AAV, which to me actually seems like a good sign for Toronto, who we all know is not shy when it comes to handing out signing bonuses, and it could scare off some other teams. So I, I, my question to you is, do you think that this is going to be an advantage for Toronto if that's something that's going to be high up on his priority list is that immediate signing bonus? I think absolutely, um, and I think more specifically when it comes to the signing bonuses, um, he wants less now and more later. Um, this is because uh, with the whole pandemic situation, with the new CBA, um, players are going to be giving up 30% of their salaries for the next two years um, to the to the owners to pay off basically the escrow debt that they accumulated in order for the players to get paid this year. Um, it's a whole thing. Um, basically, they're losing essentially 30% of their uh, salaries this year and next year. So if you're going to have a big contract, you don't want to get paid in those years. You'd rather get paid when you can keep more of it. So I think what, what they're negotiating is Petrangelo wants more signing bonuses later in the contract, and St. Louis wants to kind of get rid of it at a different time, or they can't even meet the, the signing bonuses at all. Um, the Leafs can absolutely do that. They can you know, start the contract off slow, increase it, and then tail it back at the end if they want to uh, get him out of the contract with a buyout or some sort. So, yes, uh, anything with a signing bonus, anything that has to do with this, it's a positive thing for the Leafs because they have, you know, all the money in the world with MLSE. And if I'm not mistaken, when it comes to St. Louis and, and them and the issue with getting them to a signing bonus, it's just not in their philosophy. It's just not something that mm-hmm. they do. Like, I know that the, the deal that was just signed with Falk didn't have any signing bonuses. The deal last year that Brayden Chen signed didn't have any bonuses either. And, and and now this would kind of be unprecedented territory for them. But at the same time, like, this is your captain, a guy who brought you to a Stanley Cup. He is your back-end you know, at some point, you got to kind of bow down to him and, and do something like that. Do you think that maybe the whole report of them breaking off talks, do you think that that's legitimate, or you think that maybe St. Louis will make one more last-minute push to try and get him signed, and that that option to do those bonuses could be something that they might be willing to, to kind of lean on a little bit uh, just to keep their captain and their guy? Uh, I think they will come back 
at some point, maybe if they can move at all. Of course, this is all a negotiation. We learned last year with Marner that, you know, when things are in the open, they can change pretty quickly uh, based on public pressure and all that such. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like St. Louis can do it. I think they can keep him uh, if they kind of, you know, give in to those uh, signing bonus structures. Uh, they also have to... They've also given a long-term contract to Justin Falk, who is essentially a third-pair defenseman. Um, and that's kind of pretty much been holding up their um, their captain situation. So, that's such a stupid deal, too. Yeah. I, I talked it's about so this. Dumb. I talked about this last week on the pod where I said, so they brought in Justin Falk to be insurance just in case Petrangelo left, when really mm-hmm. all that did was ensure that they didn't have enough money to sign Petrangelo in the end. Yeah, his co- like um, Falk's contract starts this year, like in 2020. <laughs> and he was like very mediocre this year for them. It I don't understand their move on that at, at all. It was a really really dumb move and it might land him in Toronto, right? That would be pretty good. Well, I think it's going to at the end of the day, I think he is going to end up testing the market. I think that's where the next question comes into what does a contract for Petrangelo look like? The uh, reports out there is that the one that that St. Louis was offering was had an AAV around 7.8 million dollars. Um, if he hits the open market, you got to think that he might be able to get a little bit more than that uh, elsewhere, possibly because a, a bidding war could end up ensuing. What, what does a contract for Petrangelo look like in your mind? Uh, well, it'll be max years, seven years, uh, if it's after October 9th, um, and it's not with St. Louis. Uh, it's so it's eight years if St. Louis either signs him before October 9th or they trade his uh, rights to someone, which could very easily happen. There's lots of teams with picks out there that can afford to kind of give some up uh, in order to get a head start on a contract. If I'm so that's the years, actually, seven or eight. Hold on a second. Hmm? If I'm not mistaken, yep. they can't yep. do a they can't trade his rights and get that extra eighth year. They would have to do a sign and trade where St. Louis would have to sign yes. the contract and then trade him. Yeah, but that's all just semantics. They will they will have done all of that and then do the trade at the same time. So, right. um, like, so they would be they would ask for permission to negotiate, like the lease, for example, and then they would get a contract done and then they would do the trade um, with the agent and then through all that stuff. So, as to, in terms of AAV, which is very important as well, um, yeah. So the lowest I've seen is about seven seven point seven seven point eight, uh, and the reported ask by Petrangelo is like nine point two five. Um, so if it's anywhere in, like, the high 7s to 8 to the 9 range, like, 9 million flat, like, highest, that's something the Leafs can afford, actually. Like, they can do that. Uh, and uh, it would essentially gut the bottom 6 of their uh, forward core, but they could do it, and they would have a first uh, pair of right-handed defense was 4th in the Norse voting this year. So, who knows? They could do it. Okay, so now that you've brought it up, it's time to get into mm-hmm. that. Okay. Because... <laughs> So that's that's a little worrisome. You know, like, I, I understand. Here's the biggest issue that the Leafs had in the playoffs this year. It was that they weren't balanced enough. There was not enough depth. And if you get yourself a guy like Petrangelo and you just keep adding to the top end of that of that team and you don't really fill out the depth and, and you deplete the bottom six, like you said, like, is that really going to make that team any better than they were this year? I would disagree with you because I think the top end didn't uh, perform during the playoffs. Well, no, like, they didn't. They, the playoffs. Beyond John Tavares, they didn't get anything from anyone. Like they didn't get enough. They didn't get a dominant play. They didn't get the results. Um, so yeah, if you need to improve your top end because this team is 
built. This team is already built to be top heavy. Um, they should go all into that. Or option. They have the option. They can either go all into the top end, which they're already kind of doing, or they could, you know, back off and build the depth and improve the top end and build the depth and become a depth team, which they can absolutely do. That's what Tampa Bay has done. Um, yeah, I, I just think that uh, the top end that the Leafs have isn't good enough, especially just with the right-hand defenseman on the first pair. Um, Morgan Riley is great. He's a, a first-pair defenseman, obviously. Alex Petrangelo will make that an elite pair very quickly. With Jake Muzzin as a you know, a first-pair-ish defenseman with a, a decent partner with, like, Justin Hall or someone or Travis Dermott. I think that already that creates instantly a really good top four to go along with a really good top-end forward group with, you know, your bottom six not playing as much because they don't have to because you got Matthews and Tavares playing 20, 25 minutes a night. I just don't know if that's a recipe for success. Like, I take a look at the teams who were successful in the playoffs this year, and depth is really one of the main things between them, like, I know we're going to laugh, but a guy like, uh, let's say, Matt Martin on the Islanders played a pretty significant role. And, and he's a guy who the least moved on from and for, you know, the right reasons, I think. But, you know, I just feel like depth is is super important once you get later into the playoffs. You know, I think they can get through the regular season relying on their big guns. But once you get to the playoffs and you're playing against top teams in the league, they shut down your first and second line with their top lines. All of a sudden, now it's all has to go, you know, depth on depth. What does your third line do against their third line? And you're sitting there trotting out, you know, AHLers like I don't know, like a Nick Patan who might have to play if that's the case <laughs> on your third line because you just can't afford to get anybody else. I feel like that's kind of troublesome. Well, quickly on the depth, you could find NHL caliber caliber players for less than a million dollars. Like you could find your Tyler Ennis's. You can find. Uh, a lot of really good players. Um, just right off the top of the he- my head on these guys, you have Jason Spezza, of course, right there. You have Nick Robertson, who's on an ELC. Uh, they have Alexander Barabanov, who's going to be coming over. We don't know what he's going to be, but he could be a pretty good player, right? So like they can fill it in with depth and with ELC contracts and with guys with potential and guys with upside. That's kind of what a GM's job is to do, right, to find those diamonds in the rough. Um, as for when it comes to the playoffs, uh, I also disagree with you there, too, because... Looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, both the games that they lost in the conference finals, they did it because Braden Point wasn't in their lineup. Their first-line center wasn't in their lineup. So when they had him, he was scoring. He was producing. Kucherov was producing. The, the, the whole line was producing, and they were, they were winning games that way. They were winning because he was dominating the game, and it allowed everyone behind him to play with a little less stress on their shoulders because they know they had to point ahead of them. So in the same way, they, the Leafs should be doing that with Matthews and Tavares. They should be taking on a lot more of the load, along with Marner, along with Nylander, uh, and then making it easier for everyone else because they're taking on the top competition, they're taking on a lot more minutes, and they're producing in those minutes. So it really comes down to whether your stars can produce or not. Um, the Dallas Stars also weren't doing very much. They were really struggling against the, uh, in the first round and in the their round-robin series until their first line came together, until Alexander Radulov and Jamie Benton and Tyler Sagan got together, and they, they essentially beat the um, that Colorado Avalanche in the conference finals. So, yes, you need depth, but you but mainly you need your stars. Your stars is your primary aspect, and building depth in any way you can, whether it's, you know, signing guys for a little bit more money or finding cheap guys who can do well or developing prospects that can develop and become better than their contracts show. I think that there are two different ways of going about it, and I think both are valid. So, with if regardless of whether the Leafs uh, get Petrangelo or not, they're going to need cheap depth, 
And that's that's a, a fact regardless. And that's something I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have done so, so well. They they have so many great players on cheap, cheap contracts. Barbara Goodrow makes less than a million dollars. Blake Coleman makes less than two million dollars. Right? Their defense makes a lot not that not not that much money. Um after after the top uh, top few guys. That's how they won uh, all these games. That's how they made a really good third line. So in terms of all that, I think it doesn't really matter as long as you have good players who are playing above their contracts, essentially. You can overpay them and have them worth their contracts, or you can find them and make sure that they're paying, uh, playing better than the contracts. So I guess the contracts don't really matter as much as um, how well they play and whether you can evaluate talent well. And you can you can make the argument that Toronto's in in more so in the group where their players don't really live up to their contracts. And yes, <laughs> a uh, a couple of quotes out here today. I saw Marner was trending on Twitter, and I was like, "Why is Marner trending on Twitter?" <laughs> and uh, well, it seems like he's one of those guys who everyone's looking to ship out in order to bring in a guy like Alex Petrangelo. Because if you're bringing in a big contract like that, yeah. there's the the theory that well, money has to go out. And you've kind of disparred that theory a little bit. Not not so much where you, you obviously know that money needs to go out, but not yeah, to the extent yeah. of Mitch Marner. Let's take a break, and then we'll get into that part of your article when we return. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano still with you. Alongside with me, I've got Heart of Lad from Pension Plan Puppets. And Heart of, today you uh, penned a, a nice article about what the <laughs> Maple Leafs would need to do in order to sign Petrangelo, and you kind of, there were some misinterpretations or some misconceptions about what Toronto would need to do to get Petrangelo under contract, and you kind of delved into them a little bit. So I'm going to I'm gonna let you have the floor here, and you talk about some things that, that you've been hearing that you just don't think is true, and really what the Leafs realistically may be able to do in order to fit Petrangelo uh, under their cap. Right, so uh, thank you for giving me the floor. Um, right off the bat, um, I didn't even mention the top four players, um, Matthew Stavars, uh, Neil Ender-Marner, in my article, because moving any of them to create this amount of space that the Leafs need in order to sign Petrangelo is ludicrous. It doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to be the way it is. You lose any trade you do um, with Neil Ender because the league doesn't value him, and you lose every trade you do with Marner because his contract is bad, and I think people will take advantage of that. So right off the bat, you don't need to trade any of those guys. His contract um, is bad. It's, <laughs> it's been one year. His contract is bad. He averaged a point per game, and he's just such a talented player. And already, and yet Toronto he's not. And yet he's not Austin Matthews. And yet he's not Austin Matthews. Everyone's turned on Matthews. him. It's it's so sad. I feel for Marner. But go on. That, yeah. Well, that's kind of the bet he got when he got all his money. So well, he needs um, to play better so, in the yeah. playoffs. At the end of the day, he's got to play a lot better in the playoffs and and make oh, yeah. his money there. Oh yeah, he's got two bad playoffs now. Yeah. yeah, he's got two bad playoffs. That's that's not acceptable. So anyway, into the article. Um, I won't give it all away, but I will give pretty much most of it away. Um, first of all, they don't need to trade Morgan Riley because uh, a lot of the things that I, I was hearing on the weekend was uh, one, Morgan Riley uh, is going to have his first um, first defenseman role taken away, and then in two years when he's up, they're not going to be able to re-sign him. And two, um, they can't have, like the Leafs, Leafs won't be able to keep him, uh, and they need to move his salary in order to get someone cheaper right away. I think both of those are incorrect because uh, in two years when Mar- when Riley needs to be re-signed. I don't think he's going to get an exorbitant deal. He's definitely not going to get more than what Petrangelo is going to get this year, especially when the cap is going to be flat. 
Um, Petrangelo is probably going to make somewhere between eight and nine. That probably caps uh, Riley's number at around eight million dollars, which is a three million dollar raise. Let's say that's a three million dollar raise. Um, in that same year, in that same summer, uh, Phil Kessel's contract is co- is coming up. Uh, they're out of uh, Pierre Engvall. They're out of um, well, Zach Hyman's I think is also expiring, and I don't know how they're going to replace him. That's a thing we'll deal with later. Uh, and also, uh, Jack Campbell's contract is expiring. So then. You can kind of sum together a couple million dollars in order to bring Riley back. It's definitely possible. They can definitely do it. He'll be 28. It's definitely a contract that the, that the Leafs will want to um, uh, re-up him on. Uh, he's a great leader. He's a guy that loves the team. The team loves him. There's, they, they have every reason to keep him, and there is every reason that they will be able to keep him if they sign Petrangelo. Um, the other player that doesn't need to be moved if uh, Petrangelo comes in is Frederick Anderson. There's been a lot of talk about him in terms of he needs a new contract. The Leafs are probably not going to be interested in his next contract. So they're going to try and find a solution this summer so they don't have to worry about it when he's already a UFA and they don't have him. Uh, it's better to deal with it now when you have options than next year when you're kind of scrambling. So that, I think, is independent of this whole situation because uh, whoever they get, they're going to want them to be good enough to be as good as Anderson, if not better. And like the players on that list is like Matt Murray, Robin Leonard, Darcy Kemper, Alexander Georgiev, players like that, if they make less than what Anderson's making right now, which is $5 million, that's great. But like someone like Matt Murray or Robin Leonard, they're going to be making as much, uh, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. So it doesn't really affect the cap very much. And I think this is going to be more of a trade that involves, that's, that happens because the Leafs need to solve their goaltending problem for the future and um, deal with that now. Uh, it's not something where they need a like dump cap room. That's that kind of thinking doesn't make sense here. It doesn't really work because your goaltender is your most important part of your part of your team. So you need to trade for someone that's good, not because you need to get rid of salary. Um, so those are two more guys that I think it's not realistic to trade them because they're too valuable to lose. And if you get rid of them and you replace them with lesser players, you're taking away a lot of what will help Petrangelo. I think. Um, well, in terms of the value he adds, uh, the offset will not be as great, and I think it'll hurt the team. Um, the players that I think will probably go if this happens, for one, is it's obviously Andreas Janssen. Um, it, I feel really bad because he was a great player for the Toronto Marlies, and he developed and he turned into a really good player for, for the Leafs, uh, top six forward, top middle six forward, essentially. He's just um, become expendable to me. I think that's yeah. that's the number one player who everyone looks at and says, look, I mean, he's a guy who didn't really even play for the second half of the year because of an injury. And he, he came back and played that that final game five against Columbus. But, yeah. you know, I it was think like a show me. It was basically a show me to say, hey, look, he's in, he's healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and realistically, he's just somebody who's. You know, he could play up and down your lineup, but there's just no spot for him in Toronto. And at making $3.4 million, that becomes very valuable, uh, valuable three, nearly $3.5 million that you could get off your cap. And he's a, a, a piece mm-hmm. that teams would probably welcome him onto their team. I think that he's somebody yeah. who can play in a top six somewhere that just needs a little bit of scoring. And at $3.4 million, like it's a pretty good contract for what you're going to get out of Janssen. So I think that's why he becomes the number one guy who people are trying to not necessarily kick out of Toronto, but they just understand that, well, someone's got to be the sacrificial lamb if we want to bring in uh, you know, an $8, $9 million defenseman. And Janssen is kind of the the big guy who everyone's looking at. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, he got passed over 
uh, with Ilya Mikheyev. Um, Zach Hyman's already above him. And Nick Robertson's on his way up. And all, like all of a sudden, he might be on your fourth line. Is that worth it? Absolutely not. You'd rather get rid of him now than later. Uh, and uh, he has, what, three years of term left on his contract? That's valuable for a lot of teams. Uh, Florida, for example, they're losing Evgeny Dodonov and uh, Mike Hoffman this summer, or this fall. Uh, they're going to need someone to replace them, and they're probably not going to want to spend too much money. So if they're going to get Janssen, whose salary is less than a cap hit, that's a perfect thing for them to have for the next three years to play alongside Huberdeau, Barkov, whoever they want to they want to play him with. Uh, so yeah, exactly. It's it, I don't think there's much debate in terms of keeping Janssen or not. I think a lot of Leafs fans are pretty okay with it happening. So and he would automatically get rid of three and a half million dollars. So that's 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 good news. Um, the other player that uh, is probably you know that needs to be talked about in terms of finding the cap space uh, once you get a three and a bit million dollars off the the books is maybe Alex Kerfoot. Um, this is the one where I'm not I'm not sold on it personally. I don't know if yeah. you need to do this in order to make it work because you can absolutely you can absolutely make it work without him. Um, if you look at the article, there's I have a tweet in there with a cap friendly page out and it shows the numbers. Um, Alex Kerfoot makes three and a half million dollars. Uh, it it basically comes down to whether uh, if they want to keep Alex Kerfoot, they're going to have to squeeze pretty much everyone, every other RFA they have and every other um, roster spot that they have on the roster. That includes um, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Ilya Mikheyev, uh, and then they might not be able to they might not be able to play Alexander Barabanov because uh, he makes nine two five hundred like nine hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Um, they'll probably keep Robertson. But then Dermot becomes difficult to re-sign. Uh, you don't know if you're going to be able to keep Justin Hall. Um, Lilligren, and then Mikko Lettinen makes 925 as well. You don't know if you're going to be able to keep him. It really comes down to those last $100,000 on all of those players <laughs> so uh, in order to make it work. And that's really, really difficult. That's so insane. When you think about how much money they probably just... Like a guy like Mitch yeah. Marner, was it really necessary for him to sign ten point nine eight or ten point eight? Could he not have just signed for ten million or you know ten and a half? Was that eight nine three really that important to him? Because now we're getting down to it, and now we're getting up playing guys who are playing for literally league minimum over a guy like Mikheyev or over a guy like Barabanov, just because yeah. that extra two hundred thousand dollars the Leafs don't have because the top end of the roster squeezed them for every dime they possibly mm-hmm. could. It's so Absolutely. infuriating when, when you look at it. Yeah, uh, but yeah and, and going into that, like, Marner has a 9-3 in his contract, like $93,000. Matthews has a $34,000 in his contract. Like, you get rid of that, you have an extra hundred grand, right? Like, <laughs> right. that's that hurts. Like, Marner, uh, if, if he had signed, if they had probably done this negotiation better, he probably would have been able to come in under ten million dollars, and that would have that's that automatically saves you um, from having to get rid of um, Kerfoot and even have it as a, as a thought. Um, the Neander negotiation was actually really nice because they signed him so late that his actual AAV should have been seven and a half million dollars if he signed it in the summer. But that but since he signed it in, in December, it's actually six hundred grand less. He makes six point nine, which is a really big savings for the team for the next. I don't know how he makes. For four more seasons, that's really good for them actually, and it, it saves them a bit of money. Um, so yeah, and in, in, in the whole like, uh, if you keep Kerfoot, you're probably out like depending on like say if Petrangelo makes eight million dollars and Kerfoot makes three and a half, um, the Leafs are over the cap by about 
$1.9 million, around that. So that's going to probably come from a KF who, like, you know, might, well, well, instead of needing to make, like, 1.25, he'll probably need to make, like, like maybe a million, maybe, like, 800 grand. You won't get Evan Rodriguez. You're going to have to get someone who's, uh, who makes 700 grand. So that's, that's another half a million. And then you kind of go down the list and you get rid of a few hundred thousand here and there from everyone, and eventually you'll get to the number. It's so tough. Um, the easy way out is to trade Kerfoot and get a lot of assets back for him because he's a valuable player. He's he's worth a lot. Um, and then, you know, you have a bunch of picks from trading Janssen and Kerfoot, and then you have Petrangelo as well. So that you have a lot of capital, and it makes the contracts a little easier, but you got your third line, and it just doesn't look good at all. Like, your third line with without Kerfoot and without Janssen just looks really, really tough. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar is even more delicious. It's got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones, which includes caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and this one sounds delicious, the apple almond crisp. And that goes along with the 12 originals, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, and my all-time favorite, the peanut butter brownie. These bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy. It's great for the health-conscious guy who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you about the peanut butter bar. Uh, the flavor profile of this one, it's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and just 5 grams of net carbs. It's unbelievable. And get this, right now you can get yourself a free cooler with a purchase while supplies last a free cooler go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your next order use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com in conversation with heart of lad from pension plan puppets uh, we're discussing alex petrangelo and the thoughts of him potentially coming to toronto and what the team would need to do in order to make that happen and what we haven't really talked about is what the Leafs would be able to offer him in a contract and what that contract would mm. look like. Um, when you went through and you did all your calculations, what contract did you give Petrangelo and what do you believe is fair for him enough to bring him back to Toronto? Right. So I kind of, I went the, I went the safe route and I just gave him an $8 million cap hit into my calculations just to see how much cap space there would be after I did all these other moves to like to sign McKayev inside Rodriguez after I traded Kerfoot uh, in my in in the cap friendly page. So with Petrangelo at eight million dollars, you have one point six million in cap space. Um, that one point six could all go to Petrangelo. He can make up to like nine and a half million dollars, and the lease would be perfectly fine. Um, so like nine and a half million, that's a good cap. Um, but any any time they go less, and if they have enough space for an extra roster spot, they'll be able to sign Travis Dermott to like a million dollars, right? Like they they can keep him for another year. I don't know if um, Dermot actually will be able to earn himself a, a roster spot on this team because I think Justin Hall is, I think he's better than uh, Dermot and I think he's going to play with uh, Jake Muzzin. And I think Timothy Lilligren deserves a chance. I think he deserves a chance to play on this team on the right side and to develop. Uh, I don't know what they do with Dermot. Maybe he has value, maybe he gets traded. Maybe they sign him and they have seven defensemen. Uh, if they sign him, then uh, the cap on Petrangelo is about 8-6, right? So you're somewhere in that range. You try and keep his AAV as down as you possibly can, but it's somewhere in that range, like a mid-eight 
as high as nine, but once you're getting to nine, you're kind of stuck with a 20-man roster, no spares. You're kind of just going to have to have the Marlies around as a taxi squad, and uh, that's pretty much it. One way that you could bring it down, and something that we toyed with earlier, we kind of discussed it briefly, is the fact that you could mm. do a sign-and-trade, and if you get that eighth year, that could potentially lower the AAV. Do you think that might be something that Toronto would be interested in doing? I think it's something that they should, but like, what would you have to give up to, to do that? I think what you end up giving up is probably yeah, a mid-round pick, so Dermot. maybe the third-round pick. Uh, yeah, if you're trading you Janssen, right? you might have a second. I don't I don't know what the precedents are for these things. Yeah. A lot of lower-round um, uh, players that move before uh, the draft and before free agency will get, like, a fourth or fifth-round pick. Uh, I remember Jimmy VC went for, like, a third, I think. So I don't know what the precedent here is. It's going to be whatever feels normal, so maybe a second or third-round pick. Uh, I don't know what the compensation would be, but I'm also not sure about the eighth year. Because uh, Petrenzo is going to be 30 when he signs the contract. Mm-hmm. He'll be 37, 38 when he's done. The Leafs are probably going to have to pay to get out of that when that when the time comes. It's a long way away. We have no idea what the team's going to look like. We have no idea what the cap's going to look like. But that's probably what's going to end up happening, and maybe an extra year is worse. But I'd be willing to risk it because you need as low as a low of a cap hit now than later. So, yeah, I, I, I could see them trying to do that. I don't know how long Petrangelo is going to play. A lot of projections that look at you know player ages and how how much they decline, especially top end defensemen. Um, they don't. They're they're still playable around 37, 38. Like uh, Duncan Keith is still going. Uh, Nick Yalmerson. Uh, I can't remember the whole list of players, but there's still a fair few defensemen out there that are still playing pretty well. Mark Giordano is another one. So maybe he can still be that. Who knows? But that's kind of a question that you kind of want to throw as late as you can. So the eighth year. You know what, sure, why not? Um, you're going to get him for a low, lower cap hit, make the team better now, and you hope that the cap uh, increases, hopefully a lot, by, uh, in that eighth year. So, yeah. I think that's also a big thing that's going to go into making, you know, doing this contract signing is just you don't know what's going to be going on year two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've heard that this could be a flat cap for up to four years. They're thinking that it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, like, I, you just you can't really go up that much, and, and if anything, you need to try and bring that AAV down, especially for this team, and, and if you got to give up that eighth year to lower it from, let's say, eight and a half down to, like, eight million, maybe that's worth it. Like, that extra $500,000 of wiggle room might be worth it for the Leafs to, to try and do that, or maybe yeah. they he goes even lower to, like, seven and a half million on an eight-year eight-year term if, if they meet all of the, the demands for the, the signing bonuses that he wants. And, you know, when you look at it, it just makes – it would make things a lot easier from the lease perspective. And, you know, what if you believe that this is a piece that could possibly put you over the top and make you into a cup contender, which I think would be the thought process of bringing in a guy like him – yeah, you're absolutely a cup contender with him there. Exactly, you're absolutely right. a cup contender so, right now. Yeah. So do you care what year six, seven, eight look like if you're a cup <laughs> contender for the first five years? Like, honestly, right? Like, you've got your yeah. big boys all locked and loaded to go for the next five years. I guess we could say that uh, Freddie and, and, and uh, Riley still got to worry about, you know, next season. But for the most part, you've got your big boys locked and loaded, ready to go to go on a big five-year run here, and hopefully you end up winning the Cup one of those years. And if that happens, and even if they don't win the Cup, but even if they make some deep runs, some significant runs, something we haven't seen here in Toronto 
in years, like two decades almost. I would say, well, they, they made the conference final back in, what, 02? And that was the, the longest cup run that they've made, I guess. Um, I, I feel like that yeah. would be worth it, right? Like, who cares? That, run, six, seven, that run was so long ago that I don't remember it because I was, like, five years old. <laughs> I know. Like, like I've been yeah. seven, seven or seven or eight. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like, I completely agree. Like, you have John Tavares now. You need to maximize him now. Like, he has his contract now. He's in here for five more years. Um, Matthews is here for four more years. Neil is here for four more years. Marner's here for five more years. You don't know what they're going to make on their next contract. You don't know who's going to stay after their next contracts. Matthews may leave. Marner may leave. Nylander may leave. Tavares is obviously going to probably retire by then. You don't know what you're going to have in years five, six, and seven, so you might as well go for it now. Um, I think when you have a good team, I look. I keep on looking at the the Tampa Bay Lightning because I always feel like they're uh, a team like the Leafs, but like six years ahead of their timeline, ahead of the Leafs' timeline. They had they had um, Stamkos and um, Hedman, and they built on them. They built on them. They built on them, and you know they're in their late twenties now. Hedman's I think almost thirty now. And they're having their new crop of players come up. They're having the Braden points come in. They have uh, Nikita Kucherov developing. Andre Vasilevsky is their goalie. They have Mikhail Sergachev coming up. They have these guys coming up to replenish them and to build up, build them up in you know year six, year seven of their run. And you know I think they might win a cup this year, 50-50 chance pretty much. And yeah, uh, if the Leafs are going for it, they might as well go for it now and keep building and keep building because there's no point selling. There's no point getting worse because that's only going to waste time in their run. Well, we'll see what happens. October 9th is when free agency will start. Uh, Petrangelo, I mean, unless they do a sign and trade and acquire him before then, I guess we'll find out on the 9th. But hopefully, just like John Tavares, Petrangelo comes home to Toronto. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks so much, Hardiv, for uh, for joining us today and, and chatting about this. If you want a, a full explanation of uh, what Hardiv was talking about, check out his article over on Pension Plan Puppets. Hardiv, thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mike. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. And uh, also follow Hardiv at Hardiv Lad. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest news around the NHL. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.